A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode and a look back at Joss Whedon's iconic show. I'm MC and I'm here with... This is Andy. And this is David. And today we're talking about episode 8 of season 1, I, Robot, You, Jane. It originally aired April 28th, 1997. Hey, that was the day after my 14th birthday. And it was uh, directed by Stephen Posey and written by Ashley Gable and Thomas A. Swindon. This is the only time Stephen Posey did anything for the Buffyverse. And this is one of only two scripts Ashley Gable and Thomas A. Swindon worked on. They will also come back later this season with Out of Mind, Out of Sight. Let's uh, get hit in the face with the 90s. I forgot you <laughs> yes, very much. And, and some 80s, too. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> so I think I forget if we talked about this on the podcast or off the podcast. But of course, there's that one guy who has the, the original Mac portable in this episode. That is from sometime in the way before this episode yeah, I think was recorded. It originally came out in 1989, something like that. And it's like you see it and you just go, "Wait a minute, what? What's that doing there?" <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if you are going to be introducing Buffy to like a teenager, like somebody who would be like the target <laughs> audience back in the day. If you were showing it to them now, this would be like the last episode you would want to show them because they would be like, oh, my oh, God, yes. this is so old. Like, I just can't. I've got a lot to go on into about that. It's just, ooh, as someone with a technical background I, and 20 years more experience with techn technology since this, I am like... Oh my god, this is painful. <laughs> There's one thing I have to say about this episode. Like even with like all of like the 20 years of, you know, technology and the fact that a lot of this stuff was dated at the time. Mhm. Mm I actually like this episode. I mean, it's not huh. like a great episode, but it's a cute little standalone. It's I actually think a pretty solid standalone for the first season. Yeah, it's not a bad episode. Well, it's Anything's better than teacher's pet. Remember, yeah. that's my litmus test. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the basic premise is, you know, pretty inventive, you know, you know, getting a demon into the internet. Like, it's dated with attack, but I like the concept mm -hmm. of it. And, like, one of the things that jumped out at me at the in the first scene during the flashback, Moloch looks really good. Yeah, he does. No, the, the the makeup, the build on that is actually really quite good. And I actually really love Mo uh, Robot Moloch. Robot I thought Moloch, that that yeah. suit is really kick-ass and really... I'm one that likes practical effects and kind of really misses that in filmmaking. Oh, yes. I mean, CGI is really nice for certain things, and it definitely, now that it can be done really well, but I prefer bad practical effects over, like, 
middling CGI. It just oh, yeah. feels more real. Or, or yeah. vice versa. I mean, the fact of the matter is, I mean, one of my big pet peeves in life in general is uh, the whole, and this is something actually that Giles addresses in this episode. He literally speaks my mind for me when he, you know, he talks about how people think that because something's new, it's automatically better. Mm-hmm. And the fact of the mm-hmm. matter is, you know, CGI, you can do some amazing things with CGI, but there's some stuff where practical effects just look better. Yeah. And and but but you'll just do CGI anyway because it's what you do now. Yeah. Rather than trying to do the right thing, you're doing the current thing. It can be summed up as this original trilogy versus prequels. Oh, yeah. Oh, great example. It. Yeah. I I dabbled in a little bit of micro-budget film back in my day. Hi, anyone who did film with me who is now listening, who loves Buffy. I don't know what... They were not great movies. They were, they were really low-budget movies. But even going and looking at some of the effects, because I, I helped with the effects team quite often, I don't know. Some of them look pretty great. Mm-hmm. And even if they don't look great, they look visceral. Yeah, well, I mm-hmm. mean, Moloch definitely looks better than, like, in, I think it's the fifth season, when Buffy's fighting the snake demon, and it's all CGI, and oh. it looks awful. Yeah. yeah. No, there are definitely, there's a, there are a lot of times where CGI just looks like crap. Unless you have a bazillion dollars, Yeah, you know? Well, there's that. But there's also times where CGI just looks wrong, no matter how much money yeah. you throw at. I mean, I mean, yes. Yeah, I mean, you can do tons of great stuff with CGI. I'm not knocking CGI. I'm just, I, I'm one of those people who thinks like thinks use the right tool for the job. Oh yeah, And definitely. sometimes CGI isn't the right tool. But because you know, it's like when when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Yeah. And that's 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 how people yeah. treat CGI. I have issues on this. It brings to mind some of the old horror movies that you go back, and I know people younger folks would be like well that looks so and i'm like you can't see i'm specifically thinking about hellraiser and the and the way they shot things backwards and then re-edited it forwards Mm -hmm. and how absolutely visceral and real that is which Mm -hmm. these kids these days don't know anymore oh yeah yeah well you know i you know i've gotten into talks with people about space 1999 now you you can argue whether or not it's a good show but if you ever tell me the miniatures on that show weren't good or weren't convincing, we, we will have a fight <laughs> because the miniatures on Space 1999 were great. The stories not so much, but 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 the effects were really good. Yeah, it's all low tech. I was gonna say I'll take your but word it, on that because I yeah. don't think I ever saw that one. But if uh, memory yeah. serves, it was. I mean, if memory serves, some of the people who worked on Space 1999 were some of the people who worked on. Uh, 2001 A Space Odyssey too ah. so it's I mean you can do amazing stuff with practical effects yeah absolutely which um, brings us to uh, Space Odyssey I about to say Space Oddity like David Bowie was here mm. but I thought it was really David interesting Bowie's that one of the characters here. David Bowie is always here in my heart in our hearts he is with us always <laughs> he is with us always no I just, I, they obviously named the character Dave <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. Be- and then a computer voice talks to him. I just want to be like, don't shut the bay doors, Dave. You know, like, yeah. yes. I don't think it was any coincidence that he's named Dave and the other guy is named Fritz because uh, Moloch, the demon, not the demon, but like the 
something about Moloch also shows up in uh, Fritz Lang's Metropolis. Yeah. So, mm. so there you go. Some fun, fun, classic cinema yeah. shout outs in this episode. Yeah. I had heard a rumor, uh, I read this on Internet Movie Database, that their last names are supposed to be Siegel and Kirby. Huh. They just love throwing in their shout-outs to just everything. I mean, like, the monk from the beginning is named Thelonious. (laughs) Oh, yeah, I'd forgotten about that. And that one, I didn't that know one that. definite like that one I've seen like in printed books. That's that's Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. I've got my script books around here. I don't know if I have the season ones though. I could go and check, but yeah. but you know. Yeah. Well, th- this is this is a common common trope in in any geeky kind of thing. I mean, there's a Doctor Who episode, there's a Doctor Who story, Dragonfire, which is littered all the characters are littered with uh names of famous filmmakers mm-hmm. hmm. it's just yeah the right sometimes the writers just go i'm going to be really clever and then people see it and go oh that's funny no it's not clever it's funny yeah <laughs> oh in this episode um i did a little research um so malik the name itself actually matches our demon because that doesn't always happen on Buffy. Sometimes they'll pull out a random name of something that is so not even close. Like, like, come on, guys, we can use Google or we can look something up in a library book if it was 1997, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, So the name Moloch is for the Canaanite god of child sacrifice. And so it was like around that same time period when Moses was like, hey, no more false idols, people, that they were worshiping. Moloch and um and it's the word for king and shame put together so I thought that was really interesting and then also Moloch comes up in John Milton's Paradise Lost yeah as well and most famously and here's the one that I think the writers had to have known one of the writers had to have done this on purpose but the name Moloch comes up in the second portion of Ellen Ginsberg's famous poem Howl over and over it's like two pages of and Moloch did this and Moloch did that but the interesting quotes in there are basically Moloch is a representation of technology huh in Ginsburg's poem so he says Ooh. Moloch whose mind is pure machinery Moloch whose blood is running money and then there was another step Moloch the heavy judger of men and then he has some uh, references to the fact that when Ginsburg wrote this poem, he had taken peyote, as, you know, the beat poets did. And he said he got the name Moloch from looking up into some windows and saw a robot upstairs with a skull face in the smoke. And then Ginsburg then researched and found out about Moloch. So there's our facts hmm. about Moloch and Allen Ginsburg and that a lot of the references in that poem, which I read for the first time in 20 years much like seeing this episode <laughs> talks a lot about technology and gods in the machine ah cool interesting i i did something instead of homework last night <laughs> well you you did homework you just did different homework. <laughs> yeah it wasn't what i was supposed to be doing <laughs> probably you know while this episode is very much kind of a throwaway i mean it does 
develop Willow's character, but the biggest thing that comes out of this episode happens right at the beginning, and that's the introduction of Jenny Calendar. Yay, Jenny Yay. Calendar! So, yeah, I mean, this is the, her first appearance, and we don't even know her name at this point. We know that she is Miss Calendar. Um, actually, at this point in the scripts, they were calling her Nikki Calendar. But by the time they actually decided to bring her first name into the show during the second season, they changed it to Jenny because Nikki Brendan was obviously called Nikki and they didn't want to have things confused. Uh, the character is played by Rabia Lamorte, uh, who was uh, at the time famous for being a dancer and spokesperson for Prince. She was, oh, was she, she diamond was, she or was, was she pearl? She was Pearl. Yeah, right. she was Pearl during the Diamonds and Pearls tour. And I do remember seeing this episode going, oh my gosh, it's either Diamond and or Pearl, because I couldn't remember which one was which, but um, I had friends in college that were huge, huge Prince fans and had a big picture of Prince and Diamond and Pearl mm. on the wall of their apartment where we hang out quite frequently. So she was also in the Cream video. Yes. Yeah. She is also... Three weeks younger than Charisma Carpenter, who was playing right? the student, though who yeah. is not in this episode. I did write that down. Only she was like twenty six when she was filming this. So yeah, yeah. But she seems. Here is what I think about Robbie Elamorta. I think that she is one of those people that looked thirty five when she was twenty five, not like in a bad way, yeah. and still looks thirty five at forty six. Yeah. You know what I mean? She's just one of those people that permanently look like a really great looking 35. Yeah. Yeah. Until she's 60. I think she'll look like a great looking 35. Yeah. So she had a more, mm -hmm. I don't know, mature. I mean, Cordy's pretty yeah, mature. I was going to say, let's be honest. <laughs> Cordelia sometimes no, yeah. looks like she's 35. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Mm -hmm. uh, but her well, presence, the presence of. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, part of it is the character and the acting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, Cordy is presented younger and Jenny is presented older. Yeah, and Jenny is obviously supposed to be a young hip teacher and actually kind of mm -hmm. when you're right. getting to the last couple of years in high school, you are going to get teachers that are only going to be a couple of years older than uh, the students. So, yeah, I had one or two of those. Yeah. Yeah. I think I did, too. Yeah. We're introduced to Jenny, and we're immediately introduced to Jenny and Giles and their wonderful little bickering flirtation. I know. Like, it's such a weird it's, relationship because... I love it. Oh, I, I mean, love I it love so it, much. It's like, I seem to remember them, like, fighting longer, and the, but, it, but looking at this, it's like, no, they were flirting right from the beginning. I think she's flirting right from the beginning. I was just going to say that. It's like, I think Giles is still sort of oblivious. And she, but she's definitely flirting. Yeah. No question. <laughs> oh, yeah. When she calls him a good old fashioned boy. And when she, he hands her back the corkscrew. Oh, God. Yeah. She's like, yes. that's not where I dangle it. And he's just like, what? I think that's the moment where he's like, oh, oh, I, <laughs> oh what's up? Yeah. Uh, of course, my, my, my immediate question was, uh, where does she dangle it that it somehow wound up amongst the books in the library? That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I'm also like just looking at that thing. 
the only place you would dangle it is the ear. Like, because, I mean, I know people who wear, like, some really weird piercings. Mm-hmm. And with the length of that thing, you're not yeah. going to be wearing it anywhere but the ear. I, my, no. My th- I mean, if I had to have headcanon about this, it would be, she in fact wears it as an earring, but just said that to Giles to get to him. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was going to, yeah, that was about what my headcanon is, too, because yeah, that no. doesn't look like... Anything but an earring, but yeah, she, uh, yeah, she's she's being saucy. Yeah, if you do want to push it, then you could possibly get away with wearing that for a navel ring, but even mm-hmm. that's stretching it. Right. Yeah, that would get hooked on everything. Oh yeah, you don't want that from your belly button. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think she is. She's she's setting Giles up. Guess doesn't she say later on that she likes to see him blush? She likes to see him squirm. Squirm, squirm. That's it. He gives good squirm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think this is the first instance of her pushing at him to make make him squirm and also being totally into him after his speech about the books and the smell. Yeah. She teases him yeah. and calls him an old fashioned boy. Mm-hmm. But man, she wants to go to pound town. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's Giles, look at him! And I think the fact that this episode, establishing the relationship, coming before we ever see Jenny interacting with Buffy or with Angel, really sets up how uh, Jenny's relationship with Giles is completely separate from what we will find out about her later. Right. Yes. Yes, I mean, we know why she's sent there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, do do we know at all if if what their intentions were at this point? They didn't have any. I don't think. That, I mean, that's what I suspected. Yeah. I, I I was just wondering if like they were actually trying to plan ahead, or oh, they just the writers? had her. I thought you meant the yeah. gypsies. No, no, not the gypsies. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> no, the writers. Sorry, the writers. Sorry, I wasn't clear di- differentiating between gypsies and writers. It's so hard to tell them apart. We will sort out the nomenclature before we, we will. Into- I was going to say, let's let's before we get into that later on in the second season, we'll sort out the nomenclature yeah. on that for yes. sure. But the writer, the writers had absolutely no clue. Up no. Until they OK. Came to surprise. Yeah. I mean, that, I, I wasn't sure, but that was my suspicion. Yeah. I think they were actually planning to kill her earlier off in the second season. So. I know Jenny is somebody who survived past her original, you know, mm-hmm. but when they were originally planning to kill her. Uh, I don't think they had any of it planned. No, I mean, I think there was a, I'm sure Joss had some kind of season plan for two, mm-hmm. but not in the, not this early on. I think they're bringing her on as, oh, she can be adjunct to the Scooby gang and be a love interest for Giles. Mm-hmm. You know, a nice foil, because they are, well, from what we know of Giles right now, they're very different. Yeah, I think they brought her in for this one. They they brought in the whole techno-pagan thing, which they only really only kind of bring up in this episode. I think Buffy might reference it once later on. Um, but they brought that in and then just kind of never address it again, which I think is a shame, because I think the concept is really cool. I do too, and I think they bring up like she has information that she gets from the the internet about. She comes to Giles later with some oh, information, yeah, with but stuff yeah, about the Hellmouth, yeah, 
Yeah, well, the Hellmouth and also things that are happening around the world that yeah. she sees, that her people see as portents of of mm-hmm. nonsense and mischief. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I love Jenny and Giles. I, I think mm-hmm. they're fantastic. And, um, I mean, there is a bit of an age difference, but uh, when you look like Giles, it doesn't matter. <clears throat> I'm sorry. I will fangirl on Giles for the rest of my life. He's the best looking person in the cast. In my opinion. Yeah. Uh, I mean, they don't really like, I don't think they ever address how old Giles is supposed to be. I don't think he's quite as old as Anthony is, is really is. Well, I don't know. I always figured maybe. I don't know. He looks he looks 42. Okay. I mean, he looks yeah. his age, I it, think. I mean, maybe it's because, yeah, I mean, like I just turned 14 when I saw this episode. But Jenny and Giles always like, okay, they work. Oh, they work. Yeah. And they're both, you know, adults, yeah. consenting adults. So really... You know, and she's super into him, you can tell already. And I, yeah, I think he's pretty, mm-hmm. I think he's pretty clueless till that earring thing. Yeah. Yeah. Giles is not, no, he doesn't pick up on this yeah. very quickly at all. Yeah. I mean, this is definitely, this is the relationship for Giles, like for the entire show. I know they've tried to, they will try to have other relationships for Giles, but uh, this is the one that I think really works. And, I think even later on in the comics, they bring up that Jenny was his uh, basically Soulmate. the one. Yeah. Yeah. Which mm. I think is actually pretty unfortunate in terms of being able to show maybe a more mature relationship on the show because they never really got to be together. Yeah, that is true. You know, it was always these fits and starts and then we're going to get back together and then, oops, you're dead. Yeah, it's, well, I mean, it's tragedy. I mean, it's, you know, not every relationship's gonna, you know, turn out, you know, the way you want it. And yeah, I just think it's unfortunate that Giles never actually gets, he puts off his own happiness so much for, for Buffy, which is fine. That's who he is. Um, but it would have nice to see Giles actually be a functional romantic adult uh. as a contrast. <laughs> but, you know, didn't happen that way. And in the same scene that we're introduced to Jenny, we're also introduced to the horrible, horrible technology of this episode. Oh, God, <laughs> With yes. Well, what, I was wondering about the scanning project that they're doing. Why the fuck are they scanning demon books? Well, that was my question was, and, and particularly why Willow would scan the, the, the book, in the Moloch book, which is, I just like... Because Giles says, "Oh, I, I'll go. Th- I haven't gone through these books yet." What would Willow really scan in? What's clearly some kind of mystical text without clearing it with Giles yeah. first? And and why are the magic books just mixed with poss- all of the other stuff? Just mixed with the other stuff, and, and possibly, and from the looks of it, possibly even delivered with the other stuff. Yeah, that was really <laughs> strange. Um, also, that scanner. Um, that was just about the worst scanner I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I I mean, I don't really understand how you are going to get a clean scan. Like, how did Mollet get into that computer? You are not going to get a clean scan with it if you're just, like, running the scanner over the page. <laughs> well, well, to be honest, I, my first thought when they, they first bind Moloch to the book, it's like, this is, again, this is me 
having gotten back into programming right around this time, the time this aired, and like now 20 years later, and my first thought, of course, is, wow, the mystical forces have really solved some interesting encoding issues. <laughs> because like, how do you trans, how do you translate a demon into symbols on a page? That's, that's a, that's an encoding nightmare. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was done through magic. Yeah. Years and years and yeah, years ago. Yeah, no, no, ago. but I mean, but I mean, well, okay. I, well, I th maybe that's a good question to ask then. It's like, how do you guys feel about this? I, I feel that magic, yeah, it's magic, but it has to work in some predictable way. Or doesn't it? I didn't mind Moloch being bound to the book. It seemed like oh, something I, that... I don't yeah. mind it. It's just, I, I just, just that I'm thinking, like however these magical forces are created whoever whatever entity or whatever created them must be really good at figuring out issues like encoding <laughs> i don't know because i don't <laughs> you're you're the computer expert david i'm right, the person right. that turns it on and plugs it in or mc asks me to plug it in to record a podcast <laughs> Yes. Now, all all I noticed is that that scanner is like if you're trying to you know run it by hand, like because I mean she she's freehanding it, like it's hovering over the page. It's not even like flat yeah. against it. So it's like you, yeah. your hand's gonna be shaking. Um, and I mean like how do you know how fast that you're gonna need to run it to like actually like pick up the scan? So I don't know how that thing works. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know if there were scanners like that back in the day. I've never used one like that. I've always used the flatbed ones, but... Yeah, I... I, I mean, there have been handheld scanners. I'm not sure if there would have been ones like that at this time. But, uh... But I'm just like... Also, it's like, you get it into the... Well, and then now, now I'm going into questions about like OCR software. <laughs> we should probably move on a yeah. bit because I could I could probably go on about this for way too long. Oh, we could talk but, about uh, Xander's porn star shirt. Oh yes, I did notice that. I I'm didn't like, notice the porn star shirt. Oh yes, <laughs> he's wearing a shirt and it says porn star on it. <laughs> oh my god, really? I missed that. Yes. Yeah, and also it's like there's a weird. A bit of costuming with Buffy where she's wearing that white t-shirt with an animal on it and then what appears to be the next day she's wearing almost the same t-shirt it's just got a different animal yeah. on it I did but, notice that I noticed the cute animal to be fair and, I do that and the, but, but then the second cute animal like they cut from that scene directly to the scene where she goes to talk to Dave in the computer lab and she's wearing a totally different outfit. Uh, some editing <laughs> problems there. Yeah, it's just like, uh, this is either a continuity problem or she waited a really long time to have this conversation. And that's not, not there's no time lapse for us. <laughs> I can't believe I missed a t-shirt that said porn star on it. I, I'm kind of surprised, yeah. Because <laughs> even I noticed that. I was just like, porn star? Really? Well, Xander is gross. We've established that. <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't ah. seem Xander gross. That just seems odd. That does seem I'm odd. I'm honestly I... just surprised that they got away with it on TV. And uh... 
Yeah, there's that. Okay, I've and oh, I've just found a. Oh, I found it. Okay, yeah, I just found a screen cap of it. Which, by the way, don't Google Xander porn star T-shirt. <laughs> oh, I didn't get my safe search must be on because <laughs> I didn't. I actually typed in iRobot, you okay, Jane, yeah. Xander porn star, mm. maybe. And yes, it does come up. So I won't mm-hmm. Google Xander porn star. I will take your warning and not do that. And while we're speaking about of Xander, I just want to point out, for one, Xander doesn't have enough time to be horrible. No, I found some horrible stuff about Xander. Did he do horrible stuff? I mean, yeah. maybe I missed I mean, what what did he do this time? I mean, he's not great, but but he's been much worse. I mean, he's not as bad as he has been. But uh during his conversation with Buffy, when you know, mm-hmm. and he has, you know, he does have some good points about, you know, I could, you know, say I'm an elderly Dutch woman, um, <laughs> but the Buffy points out to him that it's like Willow's got a thing and Xander's left hanging, and that he got used to beating the bell of the ball, which mm-hmm. does seem to be a lot of Xander's problem. That well, yes, he likes willow liking him xander and buffy are having a conversation about the fact that xander doesn't have any feelings romantically for willow but he's aware that she has feelings for him and i was really judging the fuck out of both xander and buffy that Mm. they're just kind of letting this whole willow thing go because i mean at this point buffy doesn't really know that xander has feelings for her so i'm Willing to let go of the mm. whole, you know, she's letting him on because she doesn't know. Meanwhile, Xander's right. completely aware of the way that Willow feels about him. And he's he's just letting her feel like that because he likes having the attention, but he has no intention of actually following up on it at all. Mm. Absolutely. I agree. And that I you're put that in my yeah. notes. I'm like, you can't handle yeah, when Willow right. likes someone other than you, which we're going to see as a problem for him going yeah. forward. And mm-hmm. I mean, and I do judge Buffy about it, too, because we've seen Buffy talking to Willow. And it's like, if you want Xander, go for him. At this point, she's had a couple of conversations with Xander um, about how Xander does not feel that way about Willow. And I think Buffy needs to tell Willow to just let it go. And if Xander's yeah. not willing to talk yeah. to Willow, then Buffy's got to step up and be a friend and say, "You got to let it go." Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I was maybe that didn't jump out at me as much because I was focusing on the fact that Xander, for once, was on the receiving end of that. The receiving end of 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 the not being an object of interest. Okay. To someone, to someone you are not, who is an, of an object of interest. He, I mean, although Zan, Willow isn't an object of, say, dating interest to Xander, of life interest, she certainly is. Yeah. Oh yeah, and, I don't and, doubt and, that. But, and now, but now he, she's, it's it's not the exact same kind of ignoring, but it's it's the ignoring that will affect Xander, is that she's being she's being basically like. Yeah, I'm too busy for you now. Yeah, and certainly most of Xander's concern does not seem to be a matter of jealousy. I mean, Buffy does bring it up, but mm-hmm. his uh, his whole issue is something that shared with Buffy, and it was it's so '90s in this whole you can't trust the people you meet on the internet, 
And of course, mm-hmm. I see that and I think <laughs> if I didn't trust the people I met on the internet, I would have no friends. And we would have no podcast. Right. Well, I mean, this that's the thing, actually, that is, for me, a thing that, that pervades this episode is one of the things that dates this episode so horribly is there is so much about the be careful who you interact with on the internet that is so widely internalized now by the general public mm-hmm. that you would never talk about this now. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I think there are some valid points and especially when the internet was a new thing. Oh, you yeah. know, this new thing where you didn't have Skype and you couldn't verify someone's actual right. identity being like cool then let's friend on facebook and all of a sudden there are pictures of your cats and your mom and right. oh you must you know when when i went right. off to one of my first conventions two or three years ago when i'm you know and i'm 42 now my mom's like are you sure these ladies are who they are who they say <laughs> they are i'm like yes 25 women have been gaslighting me for the last year and made up fake facebook pages mom yes oh my they, god was i know. one of them yeah, well, you're totally one of them. <laughs> actually, no, right. we hadn't really interacted much online yeah, before no, we, we, mostly, we actually, yeah. I followed you on Tumblr, but we we became, you know, friends in person uh, before online. But, you know, six to one, half dozen to the other, yeah. everybody else I was meeting there, including my roommates, were people I'd met over the internet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Right. But I, but I mean, the thing is, even those people, you're 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 vetting them in one way or another. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're 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 probably doing things even unconsciously. That back when this episode came out, people weren't automatically doing. Well, I mean, and just so, to show you how much Buffy changes over the years. I mean, this is the first season where you get like Stranger Danger about the internet. By the seventh season, Buffy actually coined the term google someone they actually were the first people to use google as a verb on tv what yeah of course they were yeah um in the episode uh i think it's help uh the one oh my gosh right i just watched that one yeah uh, willow says she's going to google cassie and sander is like my god willow what 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 are you doing yeah absolutely (laughs) that's great i love that Mm-hmm. Buffy's also had a big effect on language and language patterns um, that mm-hmm. kids, <laughs> God, I sound like Sonoli, kids these days don't even know that some of their slang and ways of speaking were so influenced by this kind of writing and the writing on a couple other shows. Mm-hmm. So, which I always find the word E, adding E to things and verbifying things yep. is a very Joss Whedon y thing to do. See what I did there? <laughs> and of course, talking about slang and uh, just how much this episode is dated, that Buffy does not know the term online. Oh, my God. Right. She goes online for what? And, and I'm just like, <laughs> oh, I wrote in cap in capital letters that would never happen now. Mm. Well, yeah. I think it's also really interesting because Buffy was one of the first big online fandoms. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, I- that and the X-Files. The X-Files and Buffy really, I think, would have stayed very cult shows that you might see years and years later or hear about if it weren't for the Internet. Yeah, I remember like in the early days, probably around the time that this episode came out, 
going onto the internet to find, you know, Buffy fanfic or people talking about Buffy. I still remember one of the first uh, fanfic sites I went to. It was called A Naked Place, <laughs> which was after a line from the Buffy movie. Ah. Ah, I don't think I ever made it to that one. Um, I don't think it lasted very long. I don't think it did. I remember the um, something not pathetic Scooby Archive or something like that, um, which can be Wayback Machine and has the one and only fan fiction I ever wrote on it. Yeah, yeah. I won't mention any of the sites that had my fanfic on it because right. I don't want people to Wayback Machine those because they are fucking terrible. Because, like I said, I oh, you wouldn't know. Yeah, you, know, you wouldn't know it was me. And I wrote one, one, one. The entire my entire time of being a fan, one. That's that's a, as good of a writer as I am. Yeah, I was so, fourteen. Um, so I mean, you can just guess how good my stuff was. I mean, <laughs> I I have no problem if anybody goes and looks up. Uh, the um virtual series that i did because you know I, it's actually still pretty good uh cause i wrote that much later um mm. it's probably like 10 years after this uh so well there we go a little diversion off into fanfic which yeah. i'm sure we'll get on yeah. several times oh, over yes. the course of this podcast the dangers of the internet are is wait the way back machine i think that's the worst thing about it is internet. yeah absolutely I love it because sometimes you can find, oh, yeah, there's that thing. I remember. There it is. Now I have it. So back to the episode. Yes, um, oh, yes, the episode. Yeah, and uh, during that scene between Buffy and Willow, I'm wondering, should we give them points for talking about a boy that's not Angel or Xander? Because they're still talking about a boy. But yeah, we still haven't passed the Bechtel test yet. Yeah, but it's not yeah, Angel and yeah. Xander for once. Well, for once, but, you know, it is an evil internet demon. Yeah. Who, yeah. at the time, Willow doesn't know that it's not a boy. Yeah. So I guess we'll give them, like, a half a, a half point a for point. not talking about Xander or Angel, but, but it's yeah. still not great. I want these two girls to develop a real friendship, and I know that will happen eventually. Mm-hmm. But I'm just not seeing it yet. So here's the thing I observed. This comes across as a Willow-centric episode, but it's not. Like, I don't know any more about Willow after this episode than I did before. Yes, yes, you do. I Well, a little bit. You know that between scenes, she's not just wandering the streets. She has a home. She, okay, we find out she has a home. <laughs> we know she has and a she, home. We know that she her has, parents She has are two together. parents. Okay, a little bit. But in terms of it really getting into Willow's inner life. Not really. Like really getting into it. Oh, I yeah, found this no. episode to be more about Buffy's detective skills. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, we get that she's skipping class and talking to a boy, but we really get, we see Xander and Willow and Giles be concerned about Willow and not really any of how she, Willow's feeling. So I feel in this Willow-centric episode, she's the object not the subject i think probably the only thing that really saves this from willow kind of just disappearing as a damsel in distress is at the very end when uh she's fighting against moloch when she actually stands up and she's hitting him with the um fire extinguisher that is mm -hmm. the first time willow has really stood up for herself and really shown herself to be like the um you know the 
capable fighter that we will see in later on in the show. Oh, yeah. I mean, I yeah. think I don't disagree that we get some new information about Willow and some growth. But again, I don't know who she is yet. I mean, no. I know who she is. I've seen all seven seasons yeah. 50,000 times, but I don't know who she is yet. Yeah, I'm trying to figure out True. when we really get kind of a good idea as to who Willow is. What I think she gets a lot of slow growth over the show. Um, I do too. But it's yeah. probably not until like maybe phases that we get an episode that's really about Willow. And even that is, you know, got a lot of Oz in it. Yeah, I mean, she, I guess, I see the slow growth and I see it here. Uh, and I appreciate it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, this episode was okay for me. Yeah. I had a lot more fun researching Allen Ginsberg and Moloch than I maybe did watching the episode. Um, mm. And also, I don't know much about computers, so the computer stuff isn't going to... Um, I did also notice that it does set up one character trait of Willow. She lies. Yeah. She lies. You know, Buff she doesn't tell Buffy the truth. She says that she overslept, and I noticed, mm -hmm. oh, not the first time you're going to lie to your friends over the course of seven seasons, which becomes really a defining trait of Willow in season six, is she just doesn't tell the truth. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know, thoughts? No, I definitely agree that, you know, Willow is a, Willow's a liar, and it's something that comes up over many, many seasons. I mean... We haven't quite gotten into Willow's dark side yet, but it does come no. out a lot sooner than a lot of people would like to believe. Yeah, yeah. And, I, and, I, and I think part of the reason is, yeah, Allie Hannigan is so freaking cute that we don't maybe notice some of the lack of character development from the actual writing. Because I think Allie herself is developing her character through her acting. Um but yeah, we start getting pretty early on, and I don't even know if they were there on purpose from a white writer's perspective, that Willow isn't always honest with her friends, and she's not always honest with herself. So that was my, yeah. So the point of a Willow-centric episode should be really about Willow's inner life, and I didn't find that to be what we saw here. Yeah, um, so we do have two supporting characters uh, in this episode, uh, Fritz and Dave. Fritz seeing this character, I am pretty sure he was going to kill people even if Moloch didn't come around. Oh, for sure. <laughs> oh, no, he is he is like clearly right from the first time we see him. <laughs> uh, he's not right. Yeah, no, he was yeah. really messed up. And Dave, well, first of all, oh, my God, it's Chad Lindbergh, who um, he played the character of Ash on Supernatural, which I will post a link to a picture of him on Supernatural in the show notes because he looks so different than he does in the epic episode. mullet of Ash yeah. on Supernatural it's it's amazing um but the other thing about uh the character of Dave is that I'm actually really sad that uh he gets killed because I think Dave and Willow actually would have made a really good couple they would have been pretty cute yeah I mean definitely yeah. I I'm so glad that Oz comes around because there is a nice um contrast between them and it helps mm -hmm. willow turn into who she you know is you know going to become later on but for first season willow dave would have been a nice starter boyfriend yeah and i love that buffy was sort mm -hmm. of like 
Dave or are you Malcolm? And he's like, no. Buffy seemed really happy about the idea of that. I think he, she was. She was like, oh, well, I think I detective something. And I think Buffy would have been really happy if that had been the case and not, you know, an evil corruptor demon. Yeah. Of course, Buffy is really good at detective work. I mean, I think throughout this entire first season, that is something that we have mentioned in, I think, almost every episode, that Buffy Mm -hmm. figures out something's going on, and everybody else is, oh, I'm not sure. And Buffy's like, no, believe me, I'm the Slayer. And then, of course, turns out that she's right. Yeah, Yeah. and I think they lose a little bit of that in later seasons. Yeah, no, definitely she ends up losing that. I think as they start to make it more of an ensemble show, uh, right, and then someone else Buffy kind as, of does. Yeah, yeah. Buffy becomes and Buffy the becomes the muscle. Yeah, which is a shame because this I really like her doing the detective work, and I mean it still I do does too. come up later on, but it's definitely not as prevalent. Yeah, she is a little Nancy Drew in this very first season, and I and in a really great way. I really adore her sort of figuring things out and using her, you know, very quick and resourceful brain to just. Yeah. Yeah, make things work. I love, you know, and I love that about Buffy. Ah, uh, but referring to email is an e-letter. Oh my god! Right? <laughs> okay, even I back in nineteen ninety-seven, it's like really, yeah, really. Um, I, I was trying to figure out when I got my first email, and I think it was ninety-four. I'm thinking ninety, ninety-four, maybe ninety-five. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. When did you guys get your first emails? Oh, I have no idea. Um, um, earlier than this. Because um, I was already on, like, mailing lists by this point. Uh, oh, okay. I, I was an early yeah, adopter. I, I mean, I, I, I certainly, it certainly would have been earlier than this. But I don't, yeah, I don't remember when it would have been. I mean, it wasn't a very I, good email. I'm like, pretty sure it was, like, with <laughs> Yahoo or something. Right, not oh, not just, even Yahoo, like, whatever existed before Hotmail existed. Don't re- All I remember is a friend of mine going, you don't have email, and marching me into the school's computer lab to set up my at NewMexicoStateUniversity.org yeah. email, and me being <laughs> like, I can send a, and then, at, you know, writing a letter to some friends to ask them if they had email. And I mean, like, like I wrote an actual letter and went, "Hey, do you guys have email at your school? You should give me your email address. Here's mine. Write me if you <laughs> write me an before. email." Yeah, no, I've definitely you know, because it was before. like I actually was thinking. Um, Dave and I just went to a convention last weekend, and I was thinking about when um, back when I first started going to it, um, how everybody would have to like find pieces of like scrap paper. So that they could write down their like Facebook information, so that you could friend each other when you got home, because mm-hmm. you know, oh. it was like nobody had like internet. Nobody had a smartphone that they could whip out. Yeah. Oh, here's a here's a question for a discussion that I had written down. What do you think Giles thinks about smartphones? Um, like no, like just hypothetically, if he's talking about the books and not every new thing is a great thing, which I agree with. Um, I also love my smartphone. What do you think, like, you know, how do you think Giles is coping with even more technology and the handheldness of it now? I think 
like five years ago, Giles gave in and got a flip phone and he's like, <laughs> I am not moving past this. Like, this is like as far as I'm willing to go. I, I don't know. I mean, this, I think this period is Giles's peak anti-technology period. I think he comes to terms with it relatively soon after this. Not that he loves it, yeah. but but he accepts. And I think he it's... realizes how handy it is, especially when yeah. Willow's able to do things that he mm-hmm. has, you know, I think he says like, wait, so we're going to have to like request the records for blueprints? And Willow's like, no, 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 they're right here. Let me yeah. hack into that for you. Yeah, I, th- so. I, think, I think he pretty quickly starts to understand the advantages that technology can provide. Do you think it would still be a little resistant, though? Oh, yeah. Possibly, yeah. yeah. Um, like, he was like, oh, I don't need a whole one gig of data. I'll, I, maybe I'll check my email every now and then yeah. and make phone calls. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he doesn't like texting. And if he's going to text, he writes in full sentences with pl- oh, punctuation. Yes. No, no. So do I, though. Yeah. Um, one thing about technology that um, I have to point out is that it really does not translate well to TV, um, especially with it does not. like chat conversations. I fucking hate chat conversations oh. on TV. Uh, well, that's I, I mean, it's like I've got a note here. It's like, why is Willow talking to herself, saying saying what she's typing <laughs> out loud? It's so awkward. <laughs> it is really awkward. But I will say I know it's not on purpose, but. In terms of accessibility, no, it's I better get, for the audience. Yeah, no, I definitely get it in terms of accessibility, but it's really awkward. Just, I mean, oh, I think it's this super is awkward. The reason why you can't really do stuff like that because it just yeah. does not work. And, and I mean, computers in 1997 would they really like be talking like all the time? I mean, I get that Malcolm is like a demon who can do whatever he wants with a computer. But Willow doesn't know yeah. that. Right, right. And, th- and then there's the fact that, like, sometimes when they're having, like, when Malcolm's saying stuff on the computer to someone, it's just text. Yeah. And sometimes it's text and talking. And it's like, uh, uh there's no consistency here. And- this makes... Yeah. And no one knows Again. how to shut down a computer. They only turn off the monitor. Oh, right. right. Oh, right. God. You're like. And I want to point out, like, none of those monitors are Apple monitors, but there are times when we see Apple graphics. Yeah. And and we see Apple graphics on computers that previously had different graphics. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, da da. Yeah, but I mean, those 90s bulky graphics of just, oh, just yeah. so much wasted space. Oh my god. Yeah. I... But the, for for me this is like totally that 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 thing of having too much specialized knowledge really makes you go crazy while you watch something like that. I mean this. it's it's not even a really specialized knowledge for me. It's just I lived through that mm-hmm. time so I remember it. And so I look at oh, yeah. it now and I cringe. I mean it's not like the fashion where I look at it and go, Oh, I miss that. When I look at the yeah. computers, I'm like, Oh, yeah. I can't believe we survived. And we thought it looked good. <laughs> Yeah. No, I mean, honestly, when I'm talking about the specialized knowledge, I'm referring to the stuff that I haven't even been talking with you guys about because it'll just bore everyone to death. But 
it's just like I'm watching this and like no no <laughs> yeah it's just like there are things that are happening that simply make no sense technologically I think it's interesting it's- because again I am not the computer expert here I was just super excited that I could like send an email by 97 or 98 that I could like oh, yeah. Look up some, ooh, there, people write stories about my favorite characters online and I can read them. That's awesome. But that technology, even the way it's used now in television shows, is fairly wrong from what I understand from other people. Oh, absolutely. Like things that really shouldn't, you shouldn't be able to really do, they do for a plot point. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, this is the thing. It's like, you know, I, again... Now that we're do- we're doing the podcast, so we watch these shows much more analytically mm-hmm. than we did when we were just watching them for entertainment. So, like, when C- CSI Cyber came on, I watched that because it was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But it was, I was like, if I'd watched that analytically, I would have been screaming and throwing things at my television. Oh, for sure. But, like, so so, like, now that I'm looking at this... With a critical eye, I'm just like, nah, <laughs> you know. So th- there is definitely a difference between, like, what because because te- I mean, they television films. In fact, in the in the dialogue, Jenny says to, to to Giles at one point, she's like, "You've seen too many movies." Oh yeah. And my note was, so have the writers of this episode. Yeah. Was that a reference to Independence Day? It I have that in my notes. It was a to Independence Day, because I think Independence right. Day came out in 96. Yes. Mm. Yeah, oh yeah, the whole, can't you just give it a virus? I yeah. wonder, right, can't you just give it a virus? And he said, and I'm pretty sure that is, because Independence Day did come out in 96, but part of me is like, wait, when were these episodes written and shot? Oh, well, uh, Buffy, it probably, Independence Day probably would have been like brand, like maybe even still in the brand, theaters when they the, yeah, out. yeah, because that came out on July fourth. I'm yeah. pretty much assuming. Uh, yeah, I, think I it mean, did. we know that I think we know that the series was filmed in 1996, but yeah, I'm I'm betting it was mm-hmm. probably towards the later half of the year because mm-hmm. uh, they would have mm-hmm. filmed the uh, if they were they did the pilot, they would have done that for uh, the summer. Uh, to try and get it on the air for the fall. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I just, I, I I was like, hey, they made an Independence Day reference pretty quickly after that movie yeah. came out. So I thought that was kind of fun. Yeah. So computers. <laughs> yes, computers. They're amazing. They can do anything. They computers can do anything. Computers magic. <laughs> I, I just, it, it is. This is one of the ones, if you have, again, kids, you're trying to get into this show this is not the episode to show them and this is maybe the episode to actually show them and then talk about what life was like in the 90s way back when when dinosaurs ruled the earth right when Diane is like okay so you're enjoying this so far kiddo well we're gonna watch this episode and you're gonna go what and then we're all gonna sit down and talk about how much fun mommy and daddy had in the 90s I don't know that's how I would address it online when we used to get discs for it Every day in the Oh mail. God. <laughs> and if the if you're if you forgot to disable your call waiting, you would lose oh. your internet session. Yes. Oh yeah, all the talk about modems. The kids will be what's a modem? <laughs> right, right. Mm. Uh. 
where it would take like forever to one plate one page to load and if I think they actually do reference. It's like I tried calling you, but your phone was busy. Right, because yeah. she and then was. There was another mention of well, Willow's line's not busy, so she's not online. Mm-hmm. Right. It's like oh god, those days. I remember yeah. those days. Those are horrible yeah, getting days. Th- getting thrown off the internet because the phone rang and you, mom wouldn't let you disable call waiting because she wanted to be able to talk on the phone. We actually no. ended up getting a second phone line in my house because ah. we needed the internet and a phone line. Yeah, I don't think my parents cared that much. I mean, they thought it was kind of cool. They could Google map something. But um, mm-hmm. let me just tell you, though, before we wrap up, my our computer room, we originally had it in our front room. But, you know, we had this little, little sort of odd sur- I don't know, odd room in our house, and that's where the computer eventually lived, and I spent a lot of time there, and eventually, my dad would complain, that room became the place where I hung up all my Buffy posters. Nice. So the computer, the computer room in my parents' house, which I would live at when, you know, I was home for, um summer breaks and then a little bit after i I graduated from college because it was cheaper was filled with buffy stuff you know buffy comic books buffy posters my Mm -hmm. reproduction steak my action figures so yeah so computers and buffy that's my story oh (laughs) before we go i need to mention this bit of trivia because it's very important this is the only episode of buffy that joss is in Right, oh. he's the voice. He is the voice on the of radio. Caster, ah, not nearly as memorable as his appearance of as Numfar on. Uh, well, no, no, nothing no. Nothing, well, nothing is. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. I guess. I guess my last comments here: are, a, I'm annoyed with Jenny because, you know, the whole when Giles goes. I'm afraid I, I have to make you believe that there's a demon in the internet. And Jenny goes, Oh, I know. There have been portents for and days. And she hasn't done anything about it. And she has done nothing about it. Hasn't mentioned, hasn't apparently hasn't mentioned it to anyone. And then, and also, remember, she's the one who sees the book of Moloch and notices that it has no text. And she doesn't put two and two together. And she doesn't put, and later, and when she, when he tells her it's Moloch, she goes, Oh, I forgot about Moloch, which means she did in fact know about Moloch and should have recognized that book because you don't see books with that picture on the front of the usually. Yeah, I didn't even think of that. That's lazy I mean, writing. I, that, that, that's okay. I mean, okay. In reality, it's lazy writing within the show. It's what is wrong with Jenny? <laughs> it's negligence. It's well, we do find out later what's wrong with Jenny. Yeah, and well, why yeah, no. she's really there. Right, but but in this particular case, what is wrong with Jenny? It's like, uh, 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 it's like, please, it's like, are you just not paying attention at we all? We can headcanon it that hmm. she went to the uh, Calderash people and said, "Listen, there's a demon in the internet." And the Calderash were just like, not our problem. Hey, is Angel right. still cursed? Yeah, basically. <laughs> yeah. Or maybe she told her circle of techno-pagan friends and they were doing something about it. 
Maybe. I mean, she Maybe. actually made a mention about casting bones. So she was obviously trying things, but she didn't yeah. have the binding rituals that Giles had. And right. I mean, I, she I, wouldn't I'm have more asked annoyed Giles at the... because she didn't know what Giles right. knew. Right. No, but I mean, there I, was. Yeah, she I'm was... more annoyed about the the whole. She's the one who spots that the Moloch book is empty. Yeah. And doesn't make that connection. That is the part that really That's doesn't make enough. sense to yeah. me. Um, Excellent point. Yeah, and then from a from a mystical arts point of things, so at the end when they when uh, Moloch punches the electrical bo- box, the circuit box, and blows up, the implication I assume is that he's now no longer a problem. Yeah. So he was bound to the robot body, yes. and now the robot body's destroyed, so he's just gone. Yeah. Why then, when they bound him to the book, did they not burn just the burn book? the goddamn book? <laughs> I don't know. Instead of going, instead of going, going, I hope no one ever reads this book again. Yeah. And and also, linguistic point, no one's read the book ever, yeah. so that sentence makes no sense. Yeah. Now I'm probably getting into real nitpick. No, I mean, but, no, but, it's, it but the But the why sense. don't they burn the book yeah. is, is definitely a, like... <laughs> so uh before we go i mean we've you know complained about willow and buffy not having a conversation that's not about boys but that scene at the end between xander willow and buffy is so fucking cute i mean that it is, is the best it is bonding scene between them and that's kind of the first time i'm really like well no i think the first time since the pilot when they have the whole the earth is doomed speech but uh this whole you know trying to make willow feel better and it's like we're doomed <laughs> yes <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh yeah i i think that is like the first time i really kind of bought them all as like this tight-knit group of friends yeah. no that that was a little a lovely little tag at the end of that yeah no that really works well oh i did have one other piece of trivia yes. um the Name of this episode in different languages. Oh. In French, it was just called Moloch. Okay. This is my favorite. In Finnish, it's... I'm probably going to butcher Finnish because, yeah. Um, Signul un postia, which translates into you got mail. (laughs) (laughs) And then in German, it was computer daemon, which is computer daemon. But I really like that the Finnish... Um, name for this episode was You've Got Mail. I thought yeah. that was a fun and very... The, the, Finns, very the Finns are a wacky people. Very sassy new title for the episode. That's and actually, actually before a, the movie came out, too. And I think it was the You've Got Mail. Yeah, it's from the AOL. AOL. Oh, yeah. It's the AOL. And I, I actually think it's a much cl- more clever title. Than I robot you, Jane. Yeah. Like I actually think it's a much, much more clever title. Yeah. So that was another little bit of trivia. But other than that, I'm good. Okay. Well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I think all in all, we can say it's like it's an okay episode, but you know, it's it's an episode. Yeah. It's an it, episode. it's not teacher's pet. <laughs> right. Again, that's my test for everything. <gasps> okay. So next time we'll be reviewing the puppet show. Until then, grr, arg, grr, arg, grr, arg.
We'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us at our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube at Return to the Hellmouth, on Tumblr and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, or on Twitter at Hellmouth Returns, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. Be sure to rate our shows at iTunes and Stitcher. Also check out MC's YouTube channel. See you on Tuesday for The Puppet Show. Grr. Arg.